Hello and welcome to the Book of Lee's podcast. My name is Cara and I am your host. joining me for episode 18 of Book of Leaves. In this episode, as you've probably seen, I'm going to be talking to Holly Hughes from Vita Ireland, this amazing Irish charity. You're going to learn so much about them and a lot about offsetting carbon, which is very exciting because it's a relatively new thing that can really help us in our fight for fight against climate change I should say before I move into the interview just want to say if you haven't listened to two weeks ago's episode on having a sustainable Christmas it's in two parts make sure you go check that out after you've listened to this one there's loads of advice in there loads of tips on having an eco Christmas from gifts to wrapping them and then the second part is looks at Christmas cards and dinner and loads of little niggly things that don't you don't get covered all the time and lots of business suggestions and there's if you check out bookofleavespodcast.com I made a market database with loads of markets that are upcoming across Ireland that have sustainable vendors at them. I've only got the tip of the iceberg so if anyone has more please get in touch and I'll put them up there as well. But yes, Holly got in touch with me to basically have this interview with her because she knows what my podcast is all about and that Vita ticks those boxes. And basically, I I said yes as soon as she as she emailed. Usually, I contact people when I'm ready. There's so many people. Basically, everybody on follow on Instagram. If I follow you, I probably want to interview you because you're probably doing something sustainable and. There's so many people I want to interview and I just don't get around to it until I'm just about ready to release an episode and she got in touch with me so I said yes absolutely so I hope you guys are going to enjoy this episode please don't forget to share and review it if you're on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts if you can review please do please write and leave a nice review that'd be great and share it with a friend and if you want to support the podcast I do have a Patreon account patreon.com forward slash book of leaves where you can support the podcast and get little perks and little random surprises sent to you as well if you like so I won't keep you longer Stick around for the end. There's a little note to add on to this. And also some of the audio clips, you might hear a difference in sound quality. That's because we did some editing after because Holly has since been to Ethiopia since this has been recorded and she hadn't been before. So there's some little updates throughout where she kind of got more information. But I have made it as seamless as I possibly could. So I hope you guys enjoy and I'll catch you at the end. Hello, Holly. Hello. Thank you so much for uh, getting in touch with me to highlight your the charity that you work with. I hadn't really looked at you guys aside from what I'd seen on Instagram and very delighted you got in touch with me. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for responding to my very <laughs> brazen email. <laughs> Not at all. Just inviting myself here. <laughs> You're very welcome. And it is a bank holiday Friday as well. So yes, it is. So extra yeah. brownie points to me, to all of my bosses who are listening. <laughs> <laughs> Fab. Um, so come here as I do with everybody. And before we get into the crux of what we're going to be chatting about, who are you? Can you tell us a bit about yourself, where you're from, how you got into working with Vita? 
Absolutely. So I'm originally from West Cork and apologies to all West Cork people for the complete lack of accent and the Dublin twang that I've picked up. Um, and I suppose how I kind of arrived at my interest in climate justice was actually quite similar to yourself listening to your first podcast. So I was always very interested in environmental issues, was a vegetarian from a young age, which obviously at the time in West Cork didn't go down too well because oh, it's like a big farming community. Yeah. How did your parents react? I'm so lucky. My mother's an amazing cook and oh, completely gosh. took it in her stride. Although like the one time I nearly cracked is when I got a vegetarian cookbook for Christmas. Uh-huh. And I was like, what is, I was like 12 and I was like, what is this? But I still use it now actually. Oh wow. Yeah. But friends and restaurants and the surrounding area was a little bit trickier it was yeah. a lot of potatoes and a lot of vegetables was it were you veggie sorry for the environment or for the animals it was like a bit for of a... the animals originally yeah so yeah mm-hmm. when you were talking about your kind of moment of epiphany I had like the same one where I remember like visiting my uncle's farm and like just making this connection between the animals in the field and the animals on my plate yeah and I like got hysterically upset and my parents had to like convinced me that the animals that we ate died from natural causes in old age that's the only way I'd continue to eat them I just was like promise me so then anyway I think flash forward another three or four years and then I eventually did become vegetarian but because I had to justify why I was doing it to everyone I had to research it more and then I discovered the environmental benefits of vegetarianism and the effect the meat industry was having on the world and kind of since then that's evolved into my kind of plant-based doing the best that I can as you're kind of talking about before of just trying to cut out all kind of animal byproducts yeah um and I suppose it's so in tandem with that kind of environmental concern was always the desire to work in kind of humanitarian aid and generally just making the world a better fairer place and that kind of led me to working in refugee camps um across northern France and also in Greece and I suppose there it's a really visceral kind of reminder of the effect climate change is inadvertently having on societies as a whole because obviously I was meeting people who were coming from Africa and the main reason they're migrating is one of economics and economics is now becoming environmental because their you know their livelihoods come from agriculture yeah so People don't realize that they think that the like the Syrian refugees and all the the refugee crisis that's happening now it's all like war related but of course there's war involved but a lot of people were displaced and kind of moved to like bigger cities because of like drought and that in their area and then wars happen in the city and then more people need to leave like it's already happening absolutely yeah absolutely and like it's something that I've only realized since coming to Vita is that yeah you have this mental image of war and conflict being these big push factors but actually in Africa like the number one factor that causes migration is is the economy and that is now inherently tied to environmental change so kind of following on from there then reading Mary Robinson's Climate Justice just joined all of those dots up in the most kind of beautiful yet terrifying way and it was basically after reading that that that's what I decided and it was also a way for me to kind of channel all of my energies into one thing I always felt like I had to make this choice between kind of humanitarian work or environmental work they seemed like two distinct issues so that it kind of came under one umbrella and then in a very timely kind of way after a few months of tactful unemployment I found Vita um, and I now work as their communications officer so I've been there since March. Oh my gosh, yeah. so it's only recently, only a few months it's even there. all yeah. recent, yeah, but it's been an incredible time to come on board when 
things like climate justice is actually coming into the modern vernacular and climate action, which are both things that Vita embody. People now understand what those terms mean and they're so engaged. Um, So it's been a really, really lovely time um, to get involved, actually. Amazing. So in a nutshell, I guess, like who are Vita and what is every charity has a different focus. So you said humanitarian and um, the climate together and you mentioned Africa. So I presume those are all linked so like what what is it Vita kind of works with and who absolutely so Vita is um an organization that works to basically deliver sustainable livelihoods in Africa and at the moment we work in East Africa so we work in Ethiopia and Eritrea um and really interesting Vita's kind of growth and evolution is really similar to my own kind of journey so they originally were called Refugee Trust International and they did the exact same kind of work that I was doing they worked in areas where there were concentrated amounts of refugees fleeing all sorts of kinds of reasons and they basically tried to respond to their immediate needs and as they kind of evolved they began to realize that they were basically just putting a band-aid on a problem and they thought okay this is not the best use of our time what if we could actually get to the root of the issue go to the source of the problem and solve it there so Mm. is there a way that we can stop people having to make these treacherous and often fatal journeys up through Africa for example through Libya and across the Mediterranean because we all know how that often ends Um, and so they redirected their work about 20 years ago to focus particularly in the Horn of Africa Mm -hmm. and that's how Vita was born and sustainable livelihoods like what does that mean it basically means creating um, a means of earning income in a sustainable way that people can provide for their families, communities can stay together, women can become more empowered to better support their families, that migration no no longer becomes an urgent um, necessity, essentially. And I suppose how we've evolved more recently is in order to deliver sustainable livelihoods, we have to respond to climate change because climate change is having a profound impact in these areas. So how we do that is through climate mitigation climate adaptation and then here in Ireland through our climate action so we do this through a myriad of kind of ways but I suppose our three primary focuses is on delivering access to clean water access to food security and renewable energy so through those three facets is they're basically the three pillars of delivering sustainable livelihoods um, for communities for families in rural places where climate change is having the biggest impact I suppose how climate justice becomes a part of that is it's really important to remember that these people who are facing the true brunt of climate change, I mean, here in mm. Ireland, we're getting some lovely, lovely summers. summers. Yeah. Um, today is freezing, yeah. but lovely summers, but we're not seeing its harshest effects. These people are, but they're also the ones who have done the very least to contribute totally. to it. So it's trying to address that imbalance mm. and that injustice in a sustainable way. And I've never been in Ethiopia or Eritrea. Are they... Are you working in like rural communities mostly? Like what is, what is life like there? Like who are the people that you supply these water pumps for and that you work with over there? So um, it's important to say as well that like we're, our Dublin base is very small. We're a team of, I think, eight full, eight staff now because most of our staff are actually based in country. So they're from the countries that we work in. Um, so they're from Ethiopia and from Eritrea and oh, we cool. work in different, we work in different areas. I mean, Ethiopia is absolutely massive and you go from desert to mountain. So for each different region, um, a different program say is required. But if you would look say in the South Omo region, 
uh, which is an area experiencing huge amounts of drought. The South Omo River was actually recently dammed. So that's hugely affected the populations around there. Uh, like I said, the main people that we work with, I mean, I think 85% of livelihoods in Ethiopia are based in agricultural production. Mm. So we're working with farmers, essentially. That's yeah. how people earn their living. They're incredibly rural. The reason that we focus on access to clean water food security and renewable energy is because these people don't have access access to those very basic services and so without those it's very difficult to break the cycles of poverty and it's even more difficult to adapt to climate change so yeah I suppose as well it's important to say that these communities are hugely affected by a myriad of factors like deforestation would be one of um, the things that they deal with on a daily basis so it's rampant in these kind of areas in which we work uh, and a large reason for that is the demand for fuel because biomass is their primary means of energy usage. Um, so by that you mean trees? like Absolutely. Their, so that's like, that's not like foreign companies coming in, is that that would be people in Ethiopia like needing trees to cut down, to burn for fuel, that kind of thing? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So to fuel their cook stoves, obviously if they don't have access to clean water, that means they have access to dirty water, which needs to be boiled. So that raises the demand for fuel. The more deforestation there is, the supply is always going, the, the demand is always there, mm. but the supply is dwindling, yeah. absolutely. And I mean, trees are so much more than just a means of storing carbon. They protect these people's livelihoods because they prevent against soil erosion. They, they keep the land fertile. They're a source of food. They're a source of protection. If you look at extreme weather conditions like flash floods, for example, um, they they protect the soil against that. They protect people's crops. So trees hold kind of the key to life in so many ways. That lack of trees is having a huge and detrimental impact on their on their lives. Yeah, like literally, you can only imagine what it must be like. And the the crops and I guess the products that they farm. Are they sold abroad or is it all quite local that they're farming stuff like kind of small scale farms are we talking or? Absolutely yeah. yeah so we'd work primarily with small farmers and we really wouldn't try try to empower small farmers so one of our programs is actually a potato program because the humble spud is just the cure to all You can all do so problems. much with it. Yeah, yeah it's just so versatile <laughs> I mean fry it mash it but yeah. it's also a really resilient crop as well and it contains all of the nutrients you could need. So we've actually gathered Ireland's leading potato experts from Chagask and our partner, like Kyo's Crisps are one of our partners and they obviously have a huge wealth of knowledge and expertise. So we would work with all of these people and we've actually developed um, the Irish Potato Coalition, which brings all of these people I'm together. Sorry, the Irish Potato Coalition. Yes. What? It <laughs> I can't exists. believe that exists. Yes, it does. Oh my God, that's amazing. And it's not just like a potato eating contest or like, you know, just laying out all the different ways you can cook potatoes. Although I'd be very there for that and I would absolutely want to be a member. So yeah, so it's basically developing improved potato crops with these small farmers that they can then improve their crop yields. It's also about establishing then local cooperatives. So for example, for female farmers or for all of these small rural farmers that they can then get a better price 
and a fairer price for their crops. So yeah, it's on a small local level and we very much focus on village to village, community to community, and it's a whole of community initiative. So every village or community that we work with, it's all inclusive or nothing. No one gets left behind in that. But yeah, it's all it's all done locally. That's so cool. And have you have you been to either of the countries yet? No? Not yet. March, but I'm sure yeah you will in future. I should I should actually say but I think by the time this episode goes out I will have been so oh. I'm going yeah I'm going in two weeks we um go over every year with some of our amazing partners so this year we're going with Avalon Aircraft Leasing uh Dublin City Fire Brigade and Kyo's to take part in the Great Ethiopian Run oh, which wow. is a 10 kilo- 10 kilometer dash through Addis Ababa which is the capital of Ethiopia and it was begun by some Ethiopian Olympian and yeah it's just this mad run through the city and like people stop to just dance in the middle of the street and there's like thousands and thousands and thousands of people descend for this one race so we take it as an opportunity to go over and to show our partners and supporters what their what their support has achieved essentially um so we take them to all the different programs we go right down to South Oma we visit some of the tribes that we work with the Dasanich tribes the Hammer tribes we go up to Chinch up to the mountains Akios will come and they'll get to give workshops on their on potato and how to improve potato production so they get to meet the farmers that they support so it's I mean I can only say that it's an amazing trip but yeah that's happening <laughs> I'm sure it will yeah, be um, um, yeah so I'll get to see the work in action which is fantastic that's really cool yeah. and do you know like how do communities kind of react to when Vita I know approaches them with these kind of programs are they are they opening and welcome welcoming or you know are they kind of I don't blame them kind of resentful of of this we're a privileged country coming in you know like oh we can help you and they're probably thinking it's your fault we're here because countries like Ireland people might think we're really small but we do have like a lot of pollution on our hands so I'd just be curious like how receptive they are when you guys approach them to with the programs and stuff I think that's completely fair and I think one of the reasons that I'm so proud to work for Vita is because they're a completely different kind of NGO. I'm sure a lot of people listening to this won't have ever heard of us and that's because we do things differently. We don't believe in a traditional model of aid for want of a better word but we don't even see it as as aid. So our whole model is community-led. So it's not a case of us approaching communities every program we implement is driven by the communities that we work in so it's their decision I suppose we are so lucky that with the staff that we have in Ethiopia and Eritrea our teams are truly phenomenal so they would already know these communities so it's actually a case that communities approach us they see a neighboring village who has you know received fuel efficient cook stoves or has you know had their broken water pump repaired and they say we want that so we go through a whole process with a community in building a program and they take ownership of that it's facility we're just facilitators and that's that's really important to our whole model it's not a case of going over and being like this is how this should be done and you need this and it's not a case of us going over to alleviate our own guilt at the state of the mm. world and that's why our our Dublin office is so is so small because we're just facilitators um, of the real work being done 
on the ground. So we go through even like a triggering process. Um, my colleague Emily was actually over there recently on it on a trip, which is basically just instigating that change within a community of recognizing that there is a problem so for example we'll talk about it a bit further on about our fuel efficient cook stoves the traditional method of cooking in Ethiopia and Eritrea is hugely inefficient and requires a huge amount of fuel which is driving deforestation so it's about explaining these problems and finding solutions together so even for example we've developed a fuel efficient cook stove that reduces the amount of fuel needed but also has huge health benefits and then huge benefits for women because our programs are always very female focused and about addressing a a gender Mm. imbalance as well so there's those social impacts but again just understanding the effects that they're having on the environment can create real change and also create lasting change because our whole model is based on not a quick fix solution it's about creating sustainable change yeah and if people don't understand the issue or why change is necessary then it's never going to be long lasting. I think that is really relevant to Ireland here as well. Mm -hmm. You know, we can't just slap a bandaid on it. If we don't understand all of the nuances of the climate issue, then we're never going to come up with solutions that are going to stand the test of time. And I think it was really powerful when Emily was over there. She came back with these photographs of the local children who basically held a demonstration in this small town in Ethiopia basically asking their parents for change saying we're destroying our local forests we need to change and then it was this whole collaborative process of discussing okay what are the best ways for us to do this and even the design of our stove varies from country to country so the the Ethiopian stove is designed completely different to the Eritrean stove. Is that just because of what they're used to like traditionally what their original and their stove needs would are different like. yeah. do you know so it's, yeah. it's not just a one size fits all yeah so yeah that's that's very much it's it's a community-led approach which is what makes us so innovative and I think so effective that's really good to hear and your stoves how were they so fuel inefficient before and how are they I know it's probably hard to describe because we're talking just audio description here. So I suppose what I can do is I can describe what the traditional means of cooking is. So a traditional cooking in Africa is still, it's three stones on the ground and then a load of firewood in between. Mm-hmm. And on those three stones, then they'll balance their big pot for cooking or for making injera, which is the staple food. It's a traditional bread. So not only is this massively fuel inefficient it also poses huge health risks so it's crazy to think this but indoor air pollution is going to be the leading cause of death in Africa by 2030 I believe I think in 2016 the World Health Organization um, released a report that said that 36,000 children under the age of five had died due to respiratory illnesses caused by indoor air pollution so obviously if you just have this open means of cooking there's no flu system there's it's just incredibly smoky it's toxic pollution and all of this is being emitted within someone's home yeah so it's really bad for respiratory health it's really bad for eye health there's also a severe risk of burn because I mean this huge pot is just balancing on three stones it's not exactly a great way to cook especially if you've got young children running around so this is where our fuel efficient stove comes in and basically how we unite social impact with environmental and climate impact our fuel efficient stoves can save anywhere between 50 to 70% of the fuel needed. So there it's an enclosed flame. The, as you've seen, the Eritrean stove is, is really large because they love to make their... It looks like, have you ever, if, I don't know if you're listening, if you've ever seen like those shelves on a wall that are like loads of squares like hanging up beside each other. Like, I don't know, 
if you know what I'm talking about. It's like, <laughs> look in the show notes. Yeah. I kind of think of it, it looks quite similar to like an aga. I don't know what an aga is. Um, like an old, like a like an old range. Like, you know, it's one of those really oh! old... I think I know this one. I went to my friend's house this summer. And she was like, I have an aga stove. I was like, I know what that is. Like, an aga. An aga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have an aga. So like, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like this. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah. Lots With of... the kind of little chimney or whatever. But, but without getting too technical, sure. mainly because I'm not entirely sure myself, but it, it is, it saves a huge amount of fuel. Amazing. Um, but on top of that, then, because it is enclosed because it has a flume you're massively reducing also the amount of um fumes being emitted you're also decreasing the risk of burns uh so it holds all of these kind of benefits as well that's really cool yeah. so this is the kind of work that you guys do mm-hmm. um in regards to the communities you mentioned food sustainability as well or food um security security yeah other s word yeah so it's basically basically by that we really kind of mean climate smart agriculture so because these are all farmers it's finding ways to improve their crop yields so unpredictable weather conditions is a huge factor in these people's livelihoods and it's causing mass migration because crop yields are not what they were because rainfall is no longer um, reliable and all of these are rain dependent crops so if the rains don't come or if they don't come at the right time or it's kind of a feast or famine where they either don't come or there is flash flooding and crops are quite literally washed away that's someone whole means of not only feeding themselves but their it's that's their income that's their yeah. livelihood that's the food for their family so that's all gone which means that the you know men are then forced to go to urban areas in search of work and then a woman is left with you know these are large families um to care for so again we try and find through adapting agricultural practices better management um of land for example rangeland management uh irrigation systems so there is no means of storing water in ethiopia Eritrea at the moment so it's building irrigation systems that despite the unpredictability of the weather we can give these farmers a reliable means of income essentially mm. um so it it works in a in a variety of ways from land management irrigation to improved crop yields we also also then have poultry programs for example so introducing poultry so again going back to women who 30 to 40 percent of households in ethiopia or eritrea are female-headed so how can these women better provide for their families? So giving them, for example, goats or chickens, introducing them into po- poultry cooperatives, things like that, that they can then build, you know, a what, what, what's it? A coop of chickens? Coop, I think uh, so. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> that, let's go with that. Coop of chickens um, that they can then grow year on year yeah. um, and, you know, sell the eggs and all those different things as well. Or, for example, you know, adapting to the climate, like the cattle at the moment, are causing an issue because the land they graze on is massively denuded at this point because it's being overworked because there is no fertile land because of drought etc etc so they're very skinny and producing little milk what's a means that we can solve this camels actually because obviously they're incredible at storing water but bizarrely and i might actually find this out for myself when i go to ethiopia their milk is really nutritious i'm excited to try it apparently it's actually quite delicious a colleague tells me but it could be one of those things where she's waiting for me to get over and try it for myself but yeah but it's it's super nutritious so that's a way to help them adapt by introducing livestock that can actually function and survive in these changing environments 
Okay. All of these kind of programs that you have that make them more sustainable communities and like you also make them be able to sustain themselves, which is amazing. But we have to get into this. You guys also are kind of involved with like carbon credits and carbon offsetting. Now, you are unfortunately, fortunately, the first person on the Book of Lee's podcast to talk about (laughs) carbon credits. And I only learned about these recently listening to Naomi Klein's book. So I'm an alien arriving at Earth. What are carbon credits? Like, how how do they work? Fantastic. Let me break this down. Uh, So basically, I'll explain what carbon offsetting is because I think it can be quite an intangible thing that no one really understands. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when they hear about it, it can be in a negative context. So carbon offsetting is essentially the neutralizing of your carbon emissions. So greenhouse gas emissions is another term used, so created by the burning of fossil fuels. And these are neutralized by preventing the same amount of carbon from being released somewhere else. So basically for every ton of carbon that is not produced, this is actually a product that can be sold. And it's sold as what some people call a carbon credit or a carbon offset. So this product is then bought by anyone from governments to businesses to individuals who wishes or is required to neutralize their carbon footprint. Okay, this this is a relatively, well, to me, kind of new thing that I've seen recently with offsetting your carbon and these carbon calculators that exist online. It's like, oh, if you're going on a flight, offset your carbon and tick this box or I think some uh, airlines have a little offset your carbon with this and I've always like clicked it and just thought they're donating to a charity to be, to plant trees like that's literally what I saw but it's an actual when you when someone reduces the amount of carbon they produce they actually create that that lack of carbon then is this carbon that you can then buy and kind of neutralize I'm probably making it more confusing now no not at all so if you want what I can do is I can explain how carbon offsetting works through our program sure yes so carbon offsetting exists in many different forms and kind of what you kind of touched on there is the different markets from which you can buy your carbon offsets so what's the difference between you know opting into that one year Ryanair add-on or whatever it is when you're booking a flight as opposed to buying a carbon offset from someone like ETA so The difference is the compliance market and the voluntary market and the kind of level of impact an offset has. So they all effectively do save carbon, but it's kind of the add-on effects after that that really make the difference, if that makes sense. So how does Vita produce its carbon offset? So we do it through our programs. So the fuel-efficient cook stove that I talked about earlier, because it is saving trees from being cut down, it is a carbon savings program. So if that stove is reducing the amount of fuel needed by 60%, if it's reducing the amount of fuel burned by 60% approximately, it's reducing the amount of trees being cut down by 60%. So that's 60% of carbon saved. And that is something that we can then sell. So the average traditional stove emits five tons of carbon per year, our improved stove emits only two. So that creates three tons of carbon savings per year. And these three tons equate to three carbon offsets, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And that is what we are selling on our own carbon calculator that we have on our website. So our means of offsetting is social impact carbon offsetting. And what that means is because of all of the social benefits that I alluded to earlier it has a much wider impact that transcends just 
the climate or the environment. And that's why it's much more valuable in some ways because it's having a profound effect. And again, it goes back to climate justice. It's again supporting the very communities who have not contributed to this crisis but are the ones feeling its effects. Um, It also is really important in terms of supporting women because one thing that I didn't mention about the fuel-efficient cookstove is who's collecting this firewood? Who is spending their time, their energy? Who is then later going to suffer from chronic back pain later in life? It's women and it's children. So women can spend, you know, five out of every days having the task of collecting firewood or the alternative is, is paying money that could be far better spent elsewhere buying fuel. Mm. So if you can cut that down, you are liberating women and children from hours of drudgery And you are giving them essentially the gift of time to either spend for children in education or for women in earning a living or doing whatever it is they would like to do. It could be, you know, looking after their families better. Um, It also reduces, because the means of cooking is much more efficient, it also reduces the amount of time they need to spend cooking. So I, you know, we recently, um, our staff sent in, they'd visited one of the villages with our improved stove and they'd been talking to the women there. And, you know, one of them was saying, you know, it used to take me three to four hours just to cook a single meal on my old stove. I mean, if you equate that into Irish terms of how fast can we get a bowl of pasta ready? Yeah. Whereas now it's two to three hours, which might still seem like a long time, but she's making two meals. Mm -hmm. And again, it's relative. So when you're buying a carbon offset in that way, it has tantamount life transforming benefits. And that's because we sell our offsets on the voluntary market. Uh, The compliance market would be different because that is usually for businesses, corporations, whoever, who are required by law, for example, the EU law to offset some or all of their carbon footprint. So they're, you know, airlines, for example, they are incentivized by price as opposed to the impact. So a good example of this would be if you take a wind farm, and the fuel-efficient cookstove example that I just gave. So a wind farm also effectively saves carbon, mm-hmm. as does the fuel-efficient cookstove, but a wind farm doesn't have the same wide-reaching social impact. And I think that's a really simple way to just explain the difference because, yeah. of course, like planting trees is so important, and as I've said, it does hold social benefits, but there's ways to do it that can have a much wider a community impact absolutely as well. yeah. yeah that is best practice and that isn't greenwashing say for yeah. example that is genuinely and again this is very important to mention as well when we're talking about offsetting vita as an organization we only um in support and really want to promote offsetting in the context of a wider scheme of reducing our carbon emissions we don't believe that offsetting is the answer or is the solution but rather it is an option for the emissions that we cannot avoid emitting at this time or that we cannot reduce it is a means of neutralizing that impact in a way that is delivering real change so our whole mantra is measure reduce offset okay yeah so you measure your footprint first which you can do like you said online on any kind of carbon calculator on our own carbon calculator it's just a case of inputting flights Air travel is our biggest chunk of our carbon footprint. It's a horrible reality most of us don't want to face, but it is unfortunately very true. Our car mileage or our home energy usage, you just put all that in to find out what your footprint is. And even in that alone, I think awareness is such a vital 
thing. Yeah. Just in knowing, like we call our carbon calculator uh, Fitbit, Fitbit for your carbon footprint. Yeah. And I really like in my head, it's kind of that same thing. Like I remember once, oh my goodness, like doing that horrific, just masochistic exercise of counting calories for like a week because I was just interested. I was like, mm-hmm. I just like to know. And being absolutely horrified <laughs> by just like how much like the odd spoon of peanut butter or the pint of Guinness or the pack of crisps, how it all kind of adds up. And I think it's the same with the footprint. No one knows. Like they're like, what is the carbon footprint? I don't know. Yeah. And how can we take steps to actively reduce it if we don't measure it? And that kind of feeds off its own climate anxiety because we think it's so much worse than it is or just the sheer headache of trying to figure out what it is. So I think just in knowing the same way with a Fitbit, you know how many steps you've taken, how much you should be taking. Yeah. That does have a subconscious impact of if you're going to get in the car, you're going to think twice about it the same way that if I'm going to have the ice cream or the pint or the donut, I'm going to be pretty sure that I want it because yeah. I'm aware of the impact it's going to have yeah. on my body or whatever it is. Definitely. When you guys then sell these carbon credits if people are trying to offset a flight and they purchase say 15 euro or whatever have you then that money then has purchased that carbon credit so does that money then go back into making more change and then taking more carbon out of the air and is that the whole premise behind it and that's how carbon credits are kind of supposed to work then yes so in Vita's case, that is how it works. We create carbon savings, which are independently verified and accredited. We sell them. And then after repayment of investors and the costs of that verification, etc., we then reinvest all the surplus profits back into more carbon saving, but importantly, social impact programs. So that's how the Vita model works, but that's not how carbon offsetting generally works because our model is completely unique. So Carbon offsetting is essentially, it's it's trading. Um, I think of it like a stock exchange. There are buyers, there's sellers, and most importantly, there are brokers. So a seller creates a product, the carbon credit, um, and in so doing goes through all the necessary processes, the registration, etc., and puts it on the relevant platform to be sold to a buyer. So that buyer might be an oil company, for example, who is legally required by EU law to neutralize its excess emissions by buying an equivalent amount of credits. However, in order to create this sale, there needs to be an intermediary who will, of course, demand a fee. So it's not a simple case of creating this product in your back garden and then selling it to your neighbor. There's a whole host of individuals who are involved. And much like, you know, buying a banana in the supermarket, at every level, someone is taking a cut. So there are profits being made at at every stage of the selling process, really. Um, much the same way that profits are made on the trading of stocks. I mean, you can buy carbon credits from Goldman Sachs. So that kind of gives you an idea of how carbon offsetting and carbon trading can work. Vita's model is completely different. It's next generation and no one else has harnessed um, carbon offsetting to deliver this kind of not-for-profit social good in this way before. And the reason it's different is because we control every aspect of the process. So from the creation of the carbon offset to its selling. This means that there is very little commercial leakage as we cut out the intermediaries at almost every level of the process. Now, we do have partners who help us sell on the wholesale market, but I'm talking tens of thousands of tons of carbon here. But we still get final say over who buys our offsets and when. So this means that if, you know, a big polluter or someone who is not in line with our core value of measuring a footprint, reducing the footprint and then offsetting the unavoidable remainder, 
we can choose not to sell to them. We have the um, independence, the ability, and importantly, the integrity to to say no. Um, and then, yes, from that, all of the profits generated from each sale, whether it's offsetting one flight or an entire multinational corporation, is then reinvested back into our programs in Africa, which save more carbon by saving trees, but critically support more communities access the important services of clean water and safe cooking. So this, how we do this, it's actually a process called, and it's a social impact investment fund called the Vita Green Impact Fund. In terms of regulation, there's kind of the two sides of the coin. There is regulating those who are buying or should be buying carbon credits and carbon offsets. And then obviously, yes, there is regulating who is selling them and ensuring that the carbon credits being sold are actual verified and tangible products. So on the side of companies who should be buying carbon credits, on the compliance market, you would have the Kyoto Protocol and the EU Emissions Trading Scheme. So these are legal imperatives for businesses, governments and other large entities to um, regulate their carbon emissions. So they're all capped. And once they would go, oh, go over that capped threshold, then they are legally obligated to offset their emissions and that's why they would buy compliance market um, credits on the other side of that then in terms of where they are getting these credits and who is selling them you'd have the clean development mechanism the cdm as it's also known and this is for the compliance market carbon offset sellers so this ensures um, it validates and measures projects to show that they are producing genuine benefits and that they are promoting activities that would not otherwise have been undertake undertaken so those organizations um, who are regulated by the Kyoto Protocol or the EU ETS, those who are unable to meet their emissions quota can offset their emissions by buying these CDM approved certified emissions reductions. So yes, there's very much regulation in that area. On the voluntary side of things, the accreditation is every bit as rigorous, if not even more so. Vita would use gold standard. Other regulators would include the verified carbon standard. And this is really a robust verification process that includes site visits to the carbon is being saved because you really have to prove not only that you are having a climate impact in terms of saving greenhouse gas emissions but also demonstrating the tangible social impact that you're purporting to have as well so yeah it is it, there is there is a whole process um and it is regulated i think regulation is coming more to the fore especially as carbon offsetting is becoming a legal imperative more obviously anything that is going to be legislated for must equally and rightfully be regulated um very strictly definitely thank you for that because i know there there are absolutely definitely companies probably exploiting carbon credits or working ways around it out there but it's really inspiring to hear that there are companies and an NGO like Vita leading the way and setting an example of like what carbon credits were probably meant for in the first place and how they can be used properly Absolutely. which is really inspiring yeah. so that's yeah really nice to hear and I suppose for anyone who's looking who's like okay I'm kind of sold on carbon offsetting or I'm making a big trip to New York or I have to drive to work every day and I want to do something about it. All I would say is just do your research. So if you're interested in a more impactful means of offsetting, then make sure you're buying off the voluntary market. So that the difference really is the compliance or the voluntary because the compliance, as I said, is incentivized by obligation, a legal obligation normally, mm. or, you know, 
it's motivated by price whereas on the voluntary market you're more likely to find and I mean there's any number of platforms out there I'm obviously going to say go Vita all the way <laughs> we're the best and on top of that just make just make sure that they're accredited so for example Vita's credits are or offsets I should say are accredited by gold standard which is an industry standard that is affiliated with the UN so that ensures that every offset we are selling does actually exist and has been has been saved okay so you can't like be pretending you're creating credits in your back garden but like I don't know. I used to I used to drive fifty miles a day, and now I just walk everywhere. Look, I've created carbon credits. Someone buy it from me. So okay, so that's it. Like there's it. There's like a a program, a kind of crediting platform that you have to. Oh find God, in. yeah. Um, for us, it's very labor intensive to get the accreditation. Uh, like I know, like okay, so before I do know, back in the day, there was such a thing as carbon cowboys, and you can imagine <laughs> what that kind of entailed. Um, but yes, no, now in order to trade or sell a carbon credit, it, it absolutely has to be verified. Whether you're using the compliance or the voluntary market, like I said before, there are the different examples of CDM accreditation or VCS or um, gold standard, which which we would use ourselves. So yeah, like a, a company can't be like yo. Cara, I saw you switched from driving to work to cycling. You saved X amount of carbon emissions. Here is a fiver. We'll take those. Bob's your uncle. Um, no, if you are going to create and then sell carbon offsets, you must go through a pretty rigorous accreditation process to prove that not only have you saved this carbon, but that the credit you are now selling is is fit for purpose and that it does essentially what it says on the tin. And for the price of a ton like it's so cheap in the grand scheme of things like I calculated flights to Germany because I'll be in Germany and um, when this podcast is out and I think flights for four of us came uh, return flights to Germany came to like 18 euro which is in the grand scheme of things like that's not a huge amount of money do you guys set that price for the carbon or is that like the carbon market price so the carbon market price can vary I mean you could buy I think offsets for a euro on the compliance market so we set it for one carbon ton it's five euros fifty and on our calculator at the moment that is a minimum price because obviously we are an NGO and we do yeah. need support at the same time um the reason our price is set because of the money needed for our program so from materials everything um that is why it is at 550 but like you say it's really important to stress as well. It is really cost effective, especially for businesses, companies. Like we recently offset an office like to become carbon neutral for their year. I think it was 2018 because obviously you have to do it retrospectively for 30 euro. Now, this is an exceptional office. Like actually they're not that like, they're energy efficient. Yeah. So in the grand scheme of things, it's really not, people think it's going to be extortionate. It's really not. To put it into context, on our calculator, we have just a quick offset, offset option. So the average carbon footprint of an Irish person is anywhere between 11 and 17 tonnes, depending on how fond you are of your mini breaks with Reiner. Mm-hmm. So we've got an option, say, for 11 tonnes, which at 550 is €60.50. Euros 50. So for €60.50, Euros 50, you can offset your footprint for the year, essentially. And when you think about the money that you might give to different causes or whatever, I'm not saying don't stop giving to them, but it's, it's, is really affordable or another way, if you don't want to every time, like, you know, my sister lives in Glasgow and she likes to, she comes home a fair bit and different things like that, rather than her do it. So, you know, I think I actually, I calculated my dad, hi dad, offset, his footprint, he works in London. So he used to travel to London most weeks. So back and forth, I think it's, 
0.1 I'm going to say from Cork to London Gatwick or something yeah so for basically for him to offset all of his flights if he flew every week for a year is 55 euros what come yeah. on dad come on dad put your <laughs> hand in your pocket so just what I would say is just keep a tally and just do it every few months or a year and that makes it even more cost yeah. effective so it's really accessible to an individual to a business to governments to everyone yeah definitely no governments and businesses definitely need to get more on par with this and kind of make a more policy and probably I can only imagine who the guy is who the companies are that are legally required like they probably do have like a huge kind of carbon footprint so every we need to be carbon neutral oh my god why is this country doing it <laughs> just give millions to Vida guys <laughs> And well, I should say, actually, in the Climate Action Plan, there is an article, Article 152, where the government has committed to offsetting, I think it's its international travel. So it will be really interesting to see, again, it's that question of how they choose to do it. So yeah. there's so offsetting is such a spectrum. Will they go with the social impact offsetting, which is the kind that I've been talking about, yeah. or down the compliance route? And like also as well, at a government level, good things are happening. Like I said, Dublin City Council are really exemplary I think um they're fantastic partners of ours they've been offsetting their international travel since 2017 so that's two years now and we recently had an event with them where they've already met their requirements for their own climate action plan to reduce their energy consumption by I think it was 33 percent so they're kind of being used as a template for hopefully other councils to get on on board it's really about awareness as well and being like this is something you can do. It's not going to cost an arm and a leg. It can have a huge profound impact. And it's something you can shout about and really own and champion as well. Yeah. And I think just the acknowledgement of being like, we know we're not carbon neutral. We're on a journey. We can't decarbonize immediately. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And that goes for like us as well, like we were talking earlier. Like it's just not possible. And no. I think once we accept that and take the guilt and the pressure and just the anxiety off ourselves and say, okay, I can't do it today or maybe I can't do it tomorrow. But in the meantime, this is a vehicle to make sure that as I'm getting to where I need to be, I'm doing the best I can. Yeah. And that's that's really what our means of offsetting is for the everyday Irish person. It's just a means of saying, listen, I know it's not perfect. I'm still going to, on that holiday or I still have to drive to work. I mean, I'm from West Cork. I understand the perils of public transport or that a bike will not get you everywhere. Yeah. So what are you going to do? Do you know, kids still need to get to school. You know, my mother in her fire, she still loves her coal burning fire. So as you're on that journey to lighten the fire a little less or cutting down on the holidays, what kind of impact can you can you have? Really, yeah. Absolutely. And it's not, if you're, if you're guilty, you're anxious or you have yeah, climate anxiety, that's so understandable to have, but it's, it's better once you do something. A lot of people kind of put a wall up to not care about it or uh, cognitive dissonance, you know, like willingly like, oh no, I'm just not going to put two and two together. But I always say it's so worth knowing and having that moment of terror and fear mm-hmm. and then be like, okay, I'm going to do something about it as opposed to ignore it. Because when you do something, even if it's small, if, you know, like I had a banana skin with me today and I was like, I could carry this in my bag home <laughs> and put it in the compost. <laughs> but then on my bag will smell of banana and there'll be banana yep. juice everywhere. I was like, do you know what? I'm just going to put this in the normal bin it's not gonna go to compost I'm sorry but like you know it's not perfect and perfection doesn't exist so absolutely you have to you just have to do your bit but I think once you do your bit once you educate yourself 
like it, it really helps lift that anxiety and when you talk to your friends about it and kind of spread the word as well because I think what a lot of people I know are most anxious about is the people around them not doing anything but literally Pat Kane from Reusey shared Vita on her Instagram story I was like oh who are these guys and then you email me like two weeks later I'm like what <laughs> the universe but thank you again Pat you're amazing <laughs> shout um, out for Reusey totally um but yeah no it's really it's a really inspiring and I had just because I know people like can especially with other kind of NGOs in the industry some people can be really skeptical skeptical of how they run and like their finances and everything but you guys have like a little finance pie chart on your website where it's like 86.5% of your funds in one of the recent years went to programs and like just under 10% was admin and 3.6% was governance so like the majority of your stuff is like going straight into the majority 100%. of your funds like yeah. so and that's why people don't know who we are because we don't spend money on advertising, advertising. Yeah, you yeah. know that's why people are like Vita who what is that me it's yeah. because that's that's not where our, our focus goes um it's never been it's never been how we've wanted to kind of spend our money but at the same time that's why we are so grateful to people like Reusey there's been some really amazing supporters and even just like or oh my goodness the power of an Instagram story like it sounds ridiculous yeah. but just a simple share like I've talked about this like on my own like I'm like a freelance writer on the side and I like, talked about it on my own platform I've just been like people who have earned positions of power and influence have no idea what just putting that up like Ryuzi, Fanula Jones, Sustainable Fashion Dublin, Ros Purcell put it up and like the traffic that comes in yeah of, and just someone and it's literally people being like I'm going to Ibiza and I've just offset my flight and like Going back to what you're saying about yeah, climate anxiety and just practical solutions because I'm someone who feels debilitated a lot of the time, like you, like I'm doing my best and it's like, oh my god, I like have this insane caffeine craving and I didn't bring my keep cup and I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. what do I do? What do I do? What do yeah. I do? Or you know, yeah, do I carry something around all day to put it into the correct bin? And we can't do everything, so it's just like this is a practical thing that you can do that you can feel good and I'm not saying business is normal let's just keep going and hop on keep hopping on flights when you know that you shouldn't be or whatever but it's just a means of transitioning absolutely yeah Yeah. so oh my god I just had a deja vu sorry that was really (laughs) weird I was struggling to finish my sentence and then you said transitioning I was like yes sorry (laughs) I'm so tired it's Friday (laughs) no you're fine almost there um I know the Vita when it was ref Refugee Trust yeah. International. International, yes. Th- that was originally set up by two priests. Mm-hmm. And some people, when they see, like, if if no matter what religion they are, if an, if an NGO is set up by priests, they might think, oh, do they work in, like, a religious basis? Are you guys non-denominational? Like, you work with any community, no matter Oh, yes, religion? absolutely. Yeah. What I will say is we still do receive a lot of support from um, different congregations of nuns. So the Sisters of Mercy have been fabulous supporters of ours but yes it is it is not it is not a christian mission if that's yeah that's your question no we work with all communities that's good i want to end with another positive question which is how do you personally deal as holly with your climate anxiety and especially especially i always ask this when people are working in something that is involved with kind of a lot of sad stories too because you see well you will have when this is released like you've you will have met people that are struggling in a real life basis you know i i've get climate anxiety in the comfort of ireland i can only imagine then when you're seeing people and i don't know how do you deal with your climate anxiety basically 
Oh, so we're actually going to be here all night now. Um, my favorite topic, to be honest, it's the stories I get back from the field are generally so kind of positive. It's actually really affirming. What for me, I really struggle with, obviously a huge part of my job is engaging with things like Twitter and Instagram. And because I'm so focused in that world, um, a lot of it is bad news. And yeah, I, I honestly, I really, really struggle. And exactly like you said, I find myself getting inordinately angry when I see someone with a plastic bottle, which is not okay because I don't know the context of why they've bought that yeah. bottle. Who was it you had on your podcast and they were talking about, I'm really hot and I don't, I think it was, um, was it Claudia from Friends of Claudia Claire? Friends of and saying, something. you know, I'm really hot. Like, you know, so I'm really trying to take a step back and turn my anger, my despair, my sense of hopelessness, my, and a lot of my anger is actually directed at myself because I, I, I'm someone who feels like no matter what I do, it's never going to be enough. And it is that question of what impact is it ever going to have? And I think that's one of those things that even just becoming vegetarian, people are like, well, it's not going to like, you're going to do anything. And it's like, no, if, if what, if everyone had the same outlook, if everyone just did one small thing, look at Greta, Thunberg. I suppose on a practical level, I'm a freelance writer. So a lot of my writings, I'd write for image and the gloss and different things. And oh, I try wow. and yeah, follow me on Instagram, guys. Do you? Um, you ha- give us your hand. Oh, it's really cringe. I created, <laughs> so I, so basically when I was unemployed and I was like, I'm not getting another job unless it's like a job that I'm passionate about. And then I found Vita and my dream job. I was like, I'm just going to try this writing thing or whatever. So I created this website and I called it Earnest and Ethereal. That's not cringy. I know, but I should have called it Ernest and Young and that would have been quite clever. Okay. Anyway, I should have called it anything else, but my Instagram (laughs) is Holly Hughes Ernest and Ethereal, but, and I don't really know how to use it, but we're doing it anyway. So it's using that platform to demonstrate what I'm doing. So like even the other day I was a post, which I, and like, I get so embarrassed doing it, but I'm like, no, because every time, like I saw your podcast because someone else shared it online. Yeah. So it's, it's about overcoming my own self-consciousness and turning my everyday actions into hopefully positive change. That's like, this is what I'm doing. It's literally just like, I always buy broccoli because it's always package free, even though it's more expensive. And, you know, instead of putting that waste, you know, one third of food produced globally is lost or wasted or whatever using the broccoli stalks in salads or something like that yeah. or showing the waste-free deodorant that I use or writing about it in these publications where for me it's all about accessing an audience that you wouldn't normally engage with. I find my feeds are a vortex of just a load of like-minded people shouting into a void sometimes. Mm-hmm. Of course, all I see on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook and even in my day-to-day reactions because I'm at the age now where I have my close friends, it's kind of rare that you're thrown into new circumstances where you meet different people. You're yeah. not going to something where you're you know, going to a Friends of the Earth meetup or you're going to an XOR meeting where you're obviously going to meet people who have a common interest. So how, like, and I'm just like, that's how Brexit happened. That's how all of these terrible things in the world are happening because we're all just sometimes shouting into a void and that's how the algorithms are set up. Yeah. So how can we insert ourselves into spaces where instead of shouting at the opposite side, we're trying to engage with them? So for me, it's all about taking the things that are causing me guilt, shame, anger, fear, and trying to turn them into something positive. So writing a piece about climate anxiety and the the context of carbon offsetting within that, writing a piece on how 
you know, minding ourselves is actually minding the planet. My, writing a piece about Greta Thunberg, you know, putting up an Instagram story, even if I actually am mortified about it. And just trying to reach all of those people. Like I even, like I actually recently wrote a piece about Christmas because Christmas is my favorite time of year. I have no choice. My name is Holly. I have to love it. <laughs> and I love it. But yeah. every Christmas for me is a, an existential crisis on another level. I find November the toughest month because the Christmas lights go up in Dublin. You walk down Grafton Street and all I see is excess and waste and indulgence. And underneath those beautiful twinkly lights, I see homelessness and I see poverty and I see inequality. And I look in the Brown Thomas window, which I love. It's still one of my most favorite childhood memories. But I see all this beautiful crepe paper that can't be recycled. And I look under our Christmas tree and I see all these presents that we don't actually need as a family. And the wrapping that again can't be recycled. And all I can think, I'm just doing the figures in my head of the waste and you know, not even on a climate level, on a hum- like on a human level yeah. of, you know, where could that money have gone? So what can I do about it? And it's about talking to my family and saying, okay, guys, do we, do we need to do presents this year? Like my family, you know, taking food waste. Okay. So food waste. And this is my, my parents are incredible and have been doing this for years where we always give dinners to St. Vincent de Paul. So our Christmas morning has is spent preparing those dinners so what would just be excess is actually been given to someone in need so it's how can you do those really small things yeah. that again have all these trickle down impacts that oh, it gets totally. all of us into the kitchen yeah. instead of my mom you know doing her absolute miraculous wonders that she does of preparing this meal for seven people we're all in and someone's stern gravy and yeah. it becomes this really lovely like last year it was just this run like dancing around the kitchen to taylor swift and shania twain all incredibly, you know, a little bit seedy after the mulled wine of the night before. But, you know, so yeah. it's just about bringing joy back into those things, but yeah. just thinking in a in And a appreciating, way. yeah, absolutely. It doesn't have to be like what you've always done and buying gifts and not asking people and ha- having to surprise them. Like, throw that out the yeah. window. Ask people what they want. And yeah, or that your love for someone or that your relationship is defined. Like, I'm just like, I need to put all everything I think and feel about this person into a present and not just the present but all of like you yeah. know in friends when it's like what if she got you a big present and a medium <laughs> present and all the little smaller but i'm just like and every year if you get one good present one year then you have to outdo yourself and get an even better present the yeah. next year so for me it's exhausting and it results in its own other kind of spin-off crisis yeah. apart from climate issues and wastage issues and everything like that so it's better just reeling it back in and you know things like just things like uh, sorry was that a load of spiel no okay it's all, all useful not at all I'm actually getting red in the face here. I'm oh. getting so worked up I get mm-hmm. so excited but yes I think climate anxiety is an ongoing yeah thing I've learned I can't like I literally like I wanted to turn everything waste free in my house and I remember just open every time I opened my kitchen cupboard I just was like I'm a terrible person I wouldn't see the lentils in the reusable thing that I'd gotten from my, you know, noms and Fibsborough, like the waste-free shop, which again is a, an amazingly privileged thing to be able to go and afford yeah. to buy all these things. I just saw the bits that were still in plastic, whatever. So my rule is, it's that every time I finish a product, I try and replace it with something that is either waste-free, package-free, you know, just as, eth- or if not as ethical as is humanly possible. So yeah. it's vegan or it's cruelty-free or whatever it is. So like that goes for makeup, it goes for, you know, self-care products it goes for food amazing that's what I do that's a good rule to have I think there's one thing that we forgot that we mentioned before we started recording which is talking about Christmas yeah 
We can now give the gift of carbon offsetting. So yes. give us give us a quick cue of that before we go. I am so excited about these um, gift cards. So we have not one, but two special offerings. The first one is, yeah, the total carbon offset um gift card for 2019 so what this means is you can offset a loved one's footprint for the for the previous 12 months so they essentially can have a, a carbon neutral 2019 so this is taking kind of that eu average of 11 tons um so it is 60 euro but really what this means is that with that purchase 12 families in east africa are going to receive access to clean water for life so not only have you done some good for the overall globe by neutralizing someone's carbon footprint, but you are giving 12 families access to a life-changing um, human right, really. So that's the first one. The second one then, which I actually think I love a little bit more, just because it's such an integral part of Christmas for me, and that is the gift of offsetting someone's journey home for Christmas. So I think in Ireland, as we are a country fond of emigrating and, you know, moving <laughs> moving as far away as humanly possible, there's going to be a lot of us coming home for Christmas. For me, it's going down to Cork from Dublin, but for some people it might be coming home from Canada. So we would love to give people the option of making a journey that is kind to the planet and kind to its people. So you can buy a loved one um, a carbon offset gift card that will neutralize their journey home. It is worth two, two tons of carbon. So that is a return flight to and from Canada. And again, that means that two families will receive access to clean water for life. And I think this is a really good one if maybe you don't have 60 euro to spare or you just have someone in Kris Kringle or you're getting them a load of small bits. That's a really lovely kind of additional present. Plus, every single time I talk about it, all I can hear is Chris Ray's song, Driving Home for Christmas. I just think it's a really lovely idea. So they're available on our website. Um, check out our social media to kind of to find out more about them. We're also selling them at Reusey's store in Fox Rock, which I'm so chuffed about. So please, 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 please support this. It's our first year doing it and we would really love to see people get involved um we're also going to be at the sustainable fashion dublin um conscious christmas event in the riverly hotel in cork on the 8th of december if you don't have a ticket please get this please get a ticket for this event it is any sustainable fashion dublin event i go to is honestly just the most fun it is the most uplifting joyful experience i could not recommend it enough and I think it's really important we support events like this. So please buy a ticket and come and say hi. And yeah, I'm so sorry, what the gift card is, it's a small, it's just A6, double-sided because save the paper. It's made from recycled paper as well. And it is just this little gift card that on the back has a little letter explaining what exactly it is, why it's important and the difference it's going to make to families in East Africa this Christmas. That's such yeah. a good idea. And hopefully you give it to the right person that doesn't go, oh grand, I can go buy that car I wanted now. It Tim. is not <laughs> a license to pollute people. No. It is some people yeah, might be like, oh, that's I can just do more. But no, that's yeah. not how it works. But that's a really, that's a really cool idea. That's definitely um, one that I will probably give to several members in my family that do not need anything at all. 
Um, so I guess unless there's anything else that we haven't covered, I don't know anything in your hmm. notes there. Yeah. yeah. If anyone does listening to this have any further questions, like please feel free to just reach out and send. You can send me an email. All of our contact information is on our website and on our social media challenges, cha- challenges, <laughs> channels. I think, yeah, I think carbon offsetting can sometimes be a bit tricky or the intricacies of it. So we're always more than happy to clarify or answer questions. Amazing. So how yeah. can people follow Vita? And I presume you guys are all, you can, you accept like normal kind of donations as yes, well. Yes, we and do. Investors. Absolutely. Yeah. So like anyone listening to this, if you're like, oh, I don't really want a carbon offset. As I was, I was talking about our agriculture programs, our poultry programs, you know, you can literally go, if you go onto our website, so we're www.vita.ie, if you go into the support tab, um, you, and then I think it's support us, you'll, you can do package, um, gifts which are also a great option for Christmas and there's different you know variances for different budgets and those are hugely appreciated as well if you are a business looking to potentially offset if you are an investor we're scaling up our fund and we are all we're you know we're an NGO we're always looking for money um so anyone who has money there's a myriad of ways that you can support us outside of carbon offsetting and we really really do appreciate it so yes you can follow us on twitter and instagram and facebook vita ireland you will find us there as i said our website is www.vita.ie and then um on on our website you will find our carbon calculator so you can go on have a go just even just if you measure your carbon footprint i think it's a really worthwhile exercise yeah um to just to see and i think people might actually be surprised as well how low something like home energy usage and things can be so it's just it's just a good starting point I think and if you're interested about our impact fund you can find that at www.vitagreenimpactfund.com that's the investing program yes exactly so that's how where and how we generate our carbon offsets amazing yeah that's so cool I'll link all of that will be linked in the show notes and uh yeah but we've covered an awful lot there i feel like i'm gonna have to come back to carbon credits in a future episode (laughs) for anyone out there whose brain is melted i'll come back i'll get some kind of expert on to talk policy and all that kind of thing and but you guys do so much not only for the climate but for communities and socially as well which is really important and sounds great and thank you so much for contacting me and for thank you for having me no worries I hope some of that made sense (laughs) I hope it was coherent it was it was thank you so much Holly thank you okay guys that was Holly I hope you enjoyed that and learned something and the charity work that they do is just amazing so go follow Vita and if you know someone who needs something for Christmas but they don't actually need anything then offsetting their carbon is possibly a great way to to do that and yeah there's a few places that are stocking those gift cards we're using Fox Rock is one of them but yeah so absolutely check them out I have a few notes here in front of me yes I offset my trip to Germany with Vita. It was so simple. I put up a video on my Instagram story about it on Book of Leaves Pod if you don't follow me on Instagram already. But I put up a little video there and it's so simple, it's so fast and it's relatively cheap. Obviously that's subjective in regards to how much you earn but it was 18 euro for four, for four return flights to Germany. So it was really, really simple and check out their website if you're going on any trips even car journeys I saw sustainable fashion Dublin are going to Cork for a Christmas market and they're going to offset their traveling carbon 
via Vita, which is amazing. So there's so many ways that you can use it. It doesn't just have to be for flights. It can be for your commute to work or what you're eating. And also, if you want to see what their stove looks like, check out the website. And I've inserted a picture there with links to their to their websites and everything else that, that was mentioned as well. So check out the website for that. And yes, Holly is just back from Ethiopia. She said she had an amazing time. It looked amazing from their Instagram. And I'm going to insert a little clip now at the end that basically is a little note from Holly to add on to what she said about how the communities receive them. That's a question I asked in the middle of this podcast. I asked, how do the communities receive you? Are they kind of resentful or what's the kind of attitude? And she obviously answered this as best she could, but now she's after going there and coming back. So I'm going to insert a little snippet here of of what she said. But before I do that, this Friday, the 29th of November, if you're listening in the future, ignore this message. But this Friday, the 29th of November, there is another global school strike for climate. So wherever you are, please, please get out and support your local school strike. Check out Fridays for Future wherever you are. They probably have Fridays for Future Ireland or England or Germany or whatever. And they will have more details on where people are protesting from. So please go support that. We need ongoing pressure for the government and yeah go check out last week's Christmas episodes after this one but I'm going to leave you on this one final little note from Holly on how things are over there in Ethiopia right now in the communities that they have been working with and yes if you like this episode please share it with a friend recommend it to somebody and rate review and give us a follow on Instagram I'm on Twitter and Facebook as well and check out the website for all of everything basically everything's on the website yeah thank you guys so much and here's a little note from holly and i'll catch you in two weeks time bye not sure if this will make the cut but this is just like a little ps note um i know you had asked me about how communities receive us when we begin working with them and having just returned from ethiopia and visiting a whole host of our projects from banana farming to potato production to cook stoves to clean water I just had to come back and say the reception that we got from communities is actually unlike anything I've ever experienced in my life. I have never seen so much joy, so much happiness, so much gratitude, um, so much openness as I have from these villages and these tribes from welcome dances to sharing their potatoes with us. It was just the most uplifting experience and I, I just wasn't sure if I was enthusiastic enough about how grateful these communities are for the work that we do with them but it's in a really um, empowering way. There is such a sense of community and yeah like I said it is villages saying we want more, like come and do this for us, come and do this for us. What's the next step? Where do we go from here? There's a constant sense of progression. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to say that there is absolutely no no resentment. And again, because we don't barge in and say, this is what's happening and you've no choice in the matter. But yeah, just the welcome was phenomenal. So if it's possible to squeeze this in, squeeze it in because it needs to be said.